Hey, welcome to the She Heard podcast hosted by author and speaker Laurie Green Westlake. On the She Heard podcast, we cover everything from a woman's role in the church to deep and unexpected dives into your favorite Bible heroes. Laurie's passion is to equip women with courage, boldness, and bravery through biblical study and inspiring narrative. Be sure to check out lauriegreenwestlake.com for additional resources. Welcome to the show. Hello, everyone, and I'm coming to you today from my walk-in closet in Albuquerque, New Mexico. What a treat to be with you today, and I thank each and every one of you who take the time to listen in and listen to my ponderings and my challenges for all of us to step up, step out, and be brave. Today's podcast is going to be talking, or we will be taking a deep look at a woman's position as leader. Can a woman lead in the Christian or godly spiritual environments? A lot of controversy over that. And I have certainly shared how I feel about the roles a woman is to play within the church and church building. And you can Take a listen to the podcast, God's Plan for Woman, to get more in-depth on my take there. But today, we're going to be looking at a biblical example of a woman taking an incredible lead role in a very precarious situation. She actually becomes the easer hero, which is... The word easer is another thing we've talked about in a couple of previous podcasts, and I encourage you to go back and listen through those so you can get the foundation of where we're going with our call to be brave. I want to say that um, I I have always been courted because I tend to have a big mouth and strong opinions. I have been approached by women who have issues with what Paul says about a woman's role, a secondary role in church, in church planning. And I I have never jumped on that bandwagon that we should upsurp this teaching or have a coup. Women take over as pastors and major spiritual leaders of the church. However, I see that as a specific call a role for a woman within the church building as an example of the kingdom come because men play the role of Christ. Again, go to a previous podcast and you can hear more about that. But in in this, in the history of my walk and being in different churches, and I have had the awesome privilege because of the roles that I've played in ministry leadership, in out there community ministry leadership, I have been invited to speak in a lot of churches and a lot of different denominations. And um, I've kind of had to find a place to settle in my role there, and I'm quite comfortable. And as we travel through this Brave Girl journey together, you'll learn more about that. But I've seen some bad examples, and I want to tell you about one. I was recently in a church where there was a woman, a prophet, now, I think I think there are prophets in the world today, and that was her title and what she called herself, although I did not hear her prophesy anything, 
nor was I presented with credentials of her proven prophecy. And I'm not judging. I'm just saying I don't have any background on her to say whether or not she was a prophet. But when she spoke, she kind of strutted around the stage with with a prideful type um, ambiance in her steps. And she put down Dallas Theological Seminary, and boasted about, well, here I am, all of you that don't believe a woman can be a pastor, I am, and I'm successful. And it was an incredible turnoff, because she had issues, and she was using a stage and a time of what should have been growth for church members and inspiration for women to vomit her issues. And I know I'm being harsh. But I was like, yeah, that's what we women get wrong. Uh, we we really, when we have an issue like, you know, our place and we get mad, we take wrong steps. And so today I want to talk about a woman from the Bible who did it perfectly, who took, who was promoted to a leadership role. And she's just the perfect example. And you're probably very, very familiar with her. Her name is Esther. And she. Her name is one of two women's names on books in the Bible. And so I find her quite fascinating. And Esther is a a hero and a leader who is best known. Her top accomplishment that gets talked about the most was throwing herself at the king's feet and begging for mercy for her people. Now, I say throwing her self at the king's feet because in movies, and I shouldn't say movies, in one particular movie that I saw years ago that was titled Esther that people put together when she goes into the king's court, Esther literally leaps and throws herself at the king's feet, begging for mercy for her people. And often when I'm told this story or the story's interpreted through blogs I read or Bible studies, she is kind of shown in these picturesque robes uh, at her knee begging for the king's mercy. And that is not the way I see this playing out at all. So I want to just go back and review very shortly the bullet points of Esther's story, and maybe look a little differently at what actually is happening. Now, the back story is that Esther was a Jew living in an empire of of another culture, of outside the Jewish culture. They had been captured and taken to Persia, and she grew up as a low-level minority in a world that looked down upon her religion. And she was an orphan, as I stated, and her cousin, Mordecai, who was older than her, actually raised her. Well, the king has this issue with, the king of this area has this issue with his current queen, Vashti. Go read the story. I really admire Vashti for what she did, but she is dismissed as a queen, and so a new queen must be found. So there is this beauty contest of sorts that that 
is going to take place for the king to choose his new queen. So the king's officials gather up all these beauties of the land. And Esther, this this minority immigrant uh, poor girl, because of her beauty, gets selected as one of the candidates. And Esther wins. Esther wins the contest. And let me tell you something. She wins in a lot of ways because that girl becomes queen and she is, she's got the wealth, she's got the handmaidens, and she has got a first ticket to all of the high level social parties in in the kingdom. And so she is living the life. That girl is really living the life. And I think a lot of us, just because of all the Disney movies, it's something as we, as little girls are conditioned to believe. And I have to admit, the idea of me wearing a royal gown, hopefully 25 pounds lighter, is very, very appealing. But I digress. So let me get back to the story. So there is a man in the king's court. His name is Haman. And he is an evil, prideful man who hates the Jews because uh, during all this getting to be queen, Esther's cousin and pseudo-father has taken a high position. And there's the backstory on that. Go read it. But he's taken a high position. Haman, the evil man in the king's court, is jealous of Mordecai. And somehow, through trickery and manipulation, he gets the king to sign an edict that all of the Jews will be killed. All of the Jews are going to be annihilated in the land. This is not good. And it is especially not good for Esther because she is a Jew. But nobody in the court knows this. So Mordecai finds out about this plot, this murderous plot, and he sends word to Esther saying, "Uh, the king is your husband. You need to go in there. You need to have a talk. And you need to tell him that this is happening and put a stop to it. And now Esther sends word back to Mordecai and says, well, here's a problem. Here's a problem because I have not been with the king for months. You see, the king had multiple wives and a whole harem of women. So he was a busy man. And Esther had fallen to the bottom of the list in his nightly needs. And so she said, I've not been with the king, and we all know the law of the land. It was a very peculiar law that people could not approach the king unless he sent for you. Now, I have to admit, there are times when that sounds appealing to me, too. I am a I'm a manager of a marketing team in a Christian ministry. I actually have a leadership role. And there are days when I'm like, I, I just wish my door, they wouldn't come, I wouldn't have to deal with problems until I'm ready. But, you know, this is life today, not then, and I am not a king or a queen that can make policy. So, anyway, um, Mordecai writes back to Esther and says, you know, Esther, you were chosen, and I'm paraphrasing, But he says, you were chosen for a time such as this. And if you do not do this, you'll die with the rest of us because you are a Jew. And there are some people that know that, even if the people in the king's court don't. 
And so this is Esther's easer moment. This is when she has to decide if she is going to play that role of the woman who has Israel's back. And Esther steps up, and the first thing she does in taking a lead is that she calls for a national fast of the Jews. Now, that's some confidence for that woman to say, okay, I'm going to ask the entire Jewish population to fast for three days. That's that's a bold move, and I admire her so much for that, because I probably would have just gone off in my closet and prayed to the Lord and said, I'm not hearing you, and then thrown down some kind of fleece and gone from there. But she wanted the power of a fast, which tells us that she already knew the power of a fast. So on day four, Esther puts on her royal robes and heads to the king's throne room, where she knows, where she knows that he could say, I don't want to see you, and you've you've broken a law, and off with your head. And so she's had it. She goes to the throne room, and lo and behold, the king extends his scepter. And all of this is also a metaphor for Christ in the throne room, extending his scepter to us, the Gentiles, the adopted people. However, that's another podcast for another story. So the king extends his scepter to Esther. And this is where I I think I I get so frustrated with how people have created this scene to be Esther running at his feet. No, she invites him to a feast. And I, I don't see that begging for mercy. I see her walking in and going, I would like to have you as a guest at a feast. I'm sure that flattered the king. I that, that woman was smart. You know, three days fasting will render you iconic moves like this. So she invites him to a feast. She feeds him. She also invites Haman to join them. This woman is laying down an amazing plan. Esther was very shrewd. And so she has them come. She's They're enjoying dinner, and she doesn't pull her move now because she's building a relationship. You see, I think back at the woman who was strutting across the stage, the prophet, um, she hadn't really built a relationship with us in the audience where we were ready to hear her issues. What I think should have happened is she should have ministered to us and built a relationship with us. And then maybe have said, I've really struggled with my place as a woman in the church. And now I've taken a leadership role and maybe been a little more convincing about that. However, back to Esther, she is feeding these men. Women take note. Men think well on full stomachs. The next move is another banquet. She says, well, this has been so great, dear king. Let's do it again. She's building that relationship. And he says, awesome. And he also offers her half the kingdom if she will just tell him what her desires are. Esther doesn't want half the kingdom. Esther wants salvation for her people. And so she doesn't take it, invites him to the second dinner. During the second dinner, he says again, what do you want? I'll give you half the kingdom. This is where I probably would have screwed up and taken the kingdom, but she doesn't. She says, I don't want the kingdom. 
I want salvation for my people. And she tells him about one man who has managed to get a a law passed. And in just a few days, all of her people are going to be killed. And she outs herself as a Jew. The king in sense says, who is this? And guess what? Haman's sitting right there with his face stuffed. And she says, and see, by having him there, she got in a situation where there was no, no place no time for Haman to come up with another story or for Haman to escape. So he's sitting there and she says, that man, that evil Haman. And the, and the king says, okay, that's it. Haman, you're dead and the Jews are saved. And that is Esther's big moment. But after this, after Esther has proved herself such a great leader and, and such a understanding of uh, understander of human nature that the king allows her and Mordecai her cousin to reverse the edict and also send out a new edict that this will be celebrated this this salvation of the Jews at this moment will be celebrated in a feast that's Going on even today, the Feast of Purim. And so I see that is is Esther was not only a beautiful woman in the king's um, side tents waiting for a moment to come to him, she became a writer of policy. And I am so taken with this story. And so I want to ask you, I want to ask you, what what position does the Lord have you in right now that you can save something or somebody? Because we are living in a time when the persecution of Christians is starting. Oh, it's happening in other countries, and it's coming to America. And are we ready? Are we ready to fast and pray and pull the iconic moves that Esther did without being boastful? without having issues, and just quietly taking care of the problem. I love it. So that's it for today. I encourage you to go read Esther. I also have a blog about it on my website at www.lauriegreenwestlake.com. Also, I just want to tell you that as this Brave Girl podcast is growing, I came up with the most amazing opportunity. There is a hot dog restaurant that is going to be opening in the Rogers Hotel in downtown Waxahachie. All you Waxahachie peeps in Midlothian and Red Oak and the surrounding areas all the way up to Dallas, take heart. This is going to be a gourmet hot dog place with some... far out combinations and some of them sound amazingly delicious but i won the opportunity to have a hot dog named anything i wanted with the ingredients that i wanted and so i have decided to name the hot dog brave girl brave girl and I'm so excited about it because I think that's a way as people go in and look at a menu, go, what is a brave girl? And then they can say, hey, this is a podcast you need to be listening to because you need to step up, step out and do something bold. 
So, Brave Girl at this moment could change at this moment to honor my Albuquerque existence. We'll have a turkey weenie with green chilies and pepper jack cheese. And because I love jalapeno ketchup, jalapeno ketchup. So there you go. Please go to kickstarters.com and look up UpDog, D-A-W-G, and help them with their kickstart. They're looking, they're about three quarters way to opening this restaurant and they need a little extra money to finish up. And I think it is going to be, I love crowdfunding. I I wish I was the person that invented that because that is just such an amazing thing that goes beyond the corporate red tape and all the the corporate evils of the day and lets community people so into community projects. So there you go. I've gone long today, but I've enjoyed every minute. I hope you have too. Be blessed. Be brave.